of, you know, trying to do a lot of things to please God on my own. And so in doing that, of course, failing with that, and I'll explain that a little deeper, it helped me to uh, seek out and search the scripture for how to have a right relationship with the Lord. And I want you to understand, uh, before we go into the scripture, uh, that the Bible, when you look at it, and I'm going right into this, the Bible, before you, when you look at it, you can't look at it from uh, man to God. You have to look at it from God to man. Because as we look at it from man to God, things are based on our perspective and what we can do. And sometimes we eliminate what we can't do and, and, and major on what we can do and all trying to make ourselves look holy and feel holy and maybe make other people feel less holy so that we feel even more holy about ourselves. So I find all types of things wrong with you so I can make myself feel better with what, you know, where I am. But that's man-centered. But the gospel is, say, God-centered. God-centered. It is a story of God to man and his pursuit of man. And so I want to talk to you about being completely saved. Say, I am completely, totally saved. Let that hit your heart. I am completely, totally saved. And I want to let you know today that when God saved you, it was not a simple task. But when he saved us, he did it totally, completely, and finally and sealed the books. And it is a done deal. You are a believer. We'll go through certain steps for those who may not have joined the ship, but those who are believers, you are saved. Let's go to the scripture real quickly. We're going to 1 Thessalonians. This mic is pretty hot. Going to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 is where we'll start. And we'll lay our foundation here and we'll kind of bounce around just a little bit. But I'm so glad with uh, understanding the grace of God. Now, you got to understand this about me. I am I can complicate things. And in order to, to, to help myself understand various things, I have to break it up and understand it in any bit of pieces. And then I understand it in totality. And this, is, and, and this is how I want to take the subject of grace today and kind of break it up for us so that we understand the work of God in our lives in little pieces so that we can put the puzzle back together and see it in totality. First Thessalonians 5 and 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ now if I could use as a subtitle I want to say this I am saved I am being saved I will be saved and we want to talk about being totally saved I am saved I am being saved and I will be saved. Now, when you look at this scripture, it says, and the God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. God wants to save you totally, spirit, soul, and body. We see in this scripture that he's preserving blameless your spirit, your soul, and your body. These are, separate, these are entities that God is dealing with 
but dealing with you as a whole, and you see separately. Now, in Genesis 1.26, we see that God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And we, when he uses the word us, and not to get too deep with, with Greek and whatnot, because I'm not a Greek scholar, but that word us is Elohim, is triune being, it's threefold, where we know we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he says, let us, a triune being, a threefold God, God in one, let us make man in our image and likeness. So he makes you spirit, soul, and body. So you are a spirit. You have a soul that lives in a body. So that is threefold. But understand, when God creates Adam, gives him everything that he needs in the Garden of Eden, even a beautiful woman. Hey, girl. That he has everything. He is in right relationship with God. There is no discord. There is no distance. There is no sin. Adam is totally, he is whole. But you understand that God, you remember that God gives Adam the command not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yet he does. However, when Adam does that, when he sins, he, he uh, completely, totally separates man from God. Let's look at that scripture, Romans 5 and 12, if you go there with me. When Adam sinned, he completely separated us from God. Say amen once you're there. Romans 5, verse 12. Amen. It says, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. So when he sinned, it caused, even though you weren't born, it caused you to be separated from God before you got here. So your state of sin is not a result of what you did. It is a result of what someone else did. You had nothing to do with it. So why is it my fault? It is because you were born from man through Adam. It affected the bloodline. Matter of fact, it caused a separation between God and man. And let's just imagine it as being a, 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 as wide as the Grand Canyon, separate from God. And now you are totally deprived, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit man is lost. Soul man, lost. Body, you remember in, in Genesis 3, condemned to the grave, lost. He completely, Adam's sin completely separated us from God. So the work of God has to restore us that way. Restore our spirit, restore our souls, and restore our body. Now that caused a separation. And so you have, you, you can, again, as I mentioned earlier, you can look at this in two ways. You can look at it as man trying to cross this canyon to get to God. Or you can look at this as a loving creator who's been separated from what he has created 
and so in love with who he created that he'll find a way to build a bridge across this canyon to get back to you. God is so in love with you. Say, he loves me. God is so in love with you. As a matter of fact, we see in the scripture, uh, let's see, it's Genesis 3 and 8. I want you to go there with me. Genesis 3, verse 8. Genesis 3 and 8. I want you to see something about the love of God and see where grace shows up in the garden. That's a message right there. Grace in the garden. It says, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. Now watch this. Adam, and us, I'm going on the premise, you know the story of Adam. Adam sinned. Separated from God, caused all of this you know, corruption to come into the world. The reason we have earthquakes, tornadoes, and et cetera. Because of Adam's sin, he caused all of this damage, yet the Lord came calling. It, it, it's, 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 it's from sin. It's, it's, it seems like it's our nature that when we sin, we want to run into hiding. Out of shamefulness and guilt, we want to hide from what we've done. And we don't want people to know that we're struggling with certain things. I don't want you to know my credit report and tell you that I don't have a 500 or whatever. It's, you know, when we have something like that, we run into shame and hiding. But God came calling. Isn't that amazing? That even after Adam caused all of this damage, he still did not stop God's heart from coming after him, which says no matter where you are, believer, in your life, currently or even in the future, no matter what you do or have done, God is still calling. Tell someone he's calling me. The call of God is still on your life no matter what you've done because it's not man-centered, it's God-centered. And it's not you after God because you're running, but it's God after man says, I am so in love with you. I know what you've done. I know where you've been. I know what you've said, but I'm still after you. God still pursuing man, even after man, has sinned and caused this gulf between God and man. Now, the bridge he lays, and let's just, let's, let's just lay it here, is Jesus. So it's not us, again, trying to get back to God, but it's God coming to us that he makes it easy, really easy, for us to get back to God. He does all the dirty work so that we can get back to God. Now watch this. You became a sinner. We became sinners not out of something we did. Neither do we become righteous out of anything that we do. You became a sinner, not out of what you did, but you became righteous because of what Jesus Christ did. So you weren't there when Adam sinned. Neither were you there when Jesus died. And so you didn't participate in Adam's fault. Neither did you participate in Jesus' righteousness. However, Adam's Sin was counted to you. Mm -hmm. 
It was imputed, imputed to your life. The same way when you receive Jesus as Lord, his righteousness is now imputed to your life. So no matter, can I say this? So no matter what you did, no matter what good you did, you couldn't get from under being a sinner. I got to say this. So no matter what bad you did, you're still under the umbrella of his righteousness. The Bible says your life is hid in Christ. That's Colossians. Your life is hid in God in Christ. Praise the Lord. Romans 10 and 9. Let's go here. So God is, wants to do or does a work in the believer's life and it's threefold. It's spirit, soul, and body. Romans 10 and 9. It says that if thou would confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. All right. Somebody say that was easy. Now, when you, when you look at this, you remember the Staples commercial with that button. When you look at this, it seems like it is super easy to get saved. And if we're not careful and we look at this from a man perspective, we'll come and complicate the simplicity of the word. Ooh, I sound like a preacher. The simplicity of the text. We'll make it too hard. But it is that simple. Now, let me explain. And, and Rick is here. Rick, I thought about you when I thought about this. That in, in, in the technology world, and I work, I work as a software developer, we, we write all these programs and we do all this complicated stuff. It, I mean, it looks sweet. It's smooth. All these encrypted lines of stuff on the screen. And it feels good that people don't know what I'm doing, but it just looks sweet. So all of this stuff that you do on the screen to move data here and transfer it over there and calculate this and calculate it that, when you give it to the client, they only want one button. They want the easy button. So go get this and generate this report and put this in this database and send an email to that person and do all of these complicated things in one button. That is why this is easy. Because when you believe in your heart, when you confess with your mouth and believe within your heart, when you do what Romans 10 and 9 says, that's the easy button. But behind that button... There were, there were a lot of things that took place, and then you sign up for something that, that's going to take place in your life. So though it seems easy to do, yes it is, to just receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you then give God permission to step into your life and start working some processes in you. Somebody said that was easy. Romans 4, verse 5. But unto him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, as you talk about something like this, you think about obedience and where does obedience come in? Yes, we are to obey God, but when, when we look at people, we're looking at them through the eyes of man. See, we know people by their works. 
God knows you by your faith. So I, how to say this? It may seem like someone is off track, but God knows where you are and where he is working in your life. So I don't have a right to judge you or tell you what you are and what you are not because I can't see in your heart. And I don't know what you understand and don't understand. And whether you are just willingly ignoring what God is saying. However, if, you've, if you have pressed this easy button, then you have said, God, you have permission to start working in my life. You are declared righteous. That is nothing uh, uh, you worked for. You accepted it. So when God looks at you, he looks at you uh, the same he looks at Jesus. He doesn't see your complications. Let's say sin. We'll deal with this. But in your spirit, let's say, I am saved. He has saved your spirit man and he has set you apart and said, you are mine. Now, you got to look at it. I like to look at it broken up because if you don't look at it broken up, then in certain places you apply different things to the wrong entity. He has saved you. You are his. Here's one of my favorite scriptures. Let's go here. Ephesians 1 and 13. Ephesians 1 and 13. Say amen once you're there. In whom ye also trusted after ye heard the word of truth. After you heard it, you heard it. The gospel of your salvation. In whom after ye believed, you pressed the easy button, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Somebody say, I've been sealed. I am sealed. Now, this seal here, you know, if, if, if you're doing something legal or whatever, you're trying to get some contracts. I don't know when, I, I don't know when you need a person to notarize something. I, it's just always a surprise when I need one. But when you, when you got to get something notarized, you understand when, when something is notarized that they get the little the stamp. They, they have two kinds. One, they just stamp it done by Felicia. <laughs> and then you got the other one where they just impress it into the paper. Well, that's, that, that is what sealed here means. Is that when God gave you the Holy Spirit, you were sealed. It was impressed into your spirit. The Spirit of God is impressed into you. So that if I need to get rid of you, I also get rid of the Holy Spirit. If God was ever going to throw you away, he would be throwing both you and the Holy Spirit away. Say, I have been sealed. Locked. Incorruptible seed in your spirit. You are not going anywhere. You are saved. Say, I have been saved. Let's turn a few more. Let's go to Hebrews 10 and 14. I have been saved. I have been sealed. I am his. Hebrews 10 and 14. There's something a little different here. It says, for by one sacrifice, that's Jesus, he has perfected, or excuse me, he has made perfect uh, forever those who are being made holy. 
Now, he perfected that was past tense. Those who are being made present tense. Holy. Say, I am being saved. So God, in your spirit, man, has already done a complete work. You were justified by faith. And your righteousness is not maintained by you. It's a state that was given to you by Jesus. The fact that you press the easy button. Now you've given God permission to work in your life. And so now you're being saved. So what God does in you being saved daily He's working with you. When you signed up for this, you said, Lord, come into my life, change my heart, change my mind. He has created you. You've been made a new creation. You have given God permission to work in your life so that daily you are being transformed. Let's look at, uh, let's see. Romans 12 and 1. Romans 12 and 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is the NLT, I believe. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to test and prove what is God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be ye transformed. This is in your soul. This is in your mind. So you have a spirit. Excuse me. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your mind, your will, and your intellect. This now, present day, is what God is working with daily. This is to transform or to change your way of thinking every single day. This is God saving you daily. Now, understand sanctification. It is both a state and a process. So he sets you apart and says, you are mine. Incorruptible seed. You are sealed. But every day, he says, I'm now working with you. Amen. So no matter what challenges you are facing, God is still working with you. Philippians 1 and 6, it says, being confident of this, that he who hath begun a good work in you will, com- will uh, perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He says, once we start this process... We are not going to stop until it's completed. So when the Lord starts working in your life, he's going to continue to work in your life until the day of completion or until the day that Jesus returns. God is the one working on you. So even though it seemed like I pressed the easy button and, and it seemed like I got away with murder and it seemed like I got away with this, that, and the other, please understand that I just gave God access to me. And now the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me. And every day he is helping me to walk out this life, to do stuff that I don't know how to do, to, to avoid stuff I don't know how to avoid, to stop doing this, that, and the other. It's God working in me. Are you glad the Lord's working in you? Glad the Lord's working in you. Other people may not be able to see the work. And they may not, they may not give you good scores for your progress. But understand that the Lord sees where you are. I'm not who I used to be. But, you know, thank God who I am today. He's working in me daily. 
Say, I am being saved. I have been saved. He saved me. It was a solid state. He sealed me. I am his. I'm not going anywhere. God is the one chasing me down, loving me, wrapping his arms around me. Even when I mess up and I want to walk out the door, there's something that constantly pulls me back into his arms. And he's working on me, saving me daily. I don't think the way I used to think. I don't talk the way I used to talk. And some ideas I have have changed over the many years. But God is working on me. Oh, it's, it's not my excuse. I'm not trying to get away with stuff. But please understand, he's working. Oh, man. I'm not telling you to take sin lightly. I'm not telling you to, to go out and be disobedient. I'm saying even if you try to go do certain things, you try to go somewhere and sneak in certain corners and do your own thing, you still have the Holy Spirit working on the inside of you, pulling you out of that club, pulling you out of that relationship, pulling you out of that mess. Look at somebody and say, he's working on me. I am being saved. Then lastly, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Going to verse 50 is where we'll start. I have been saved. I am being saved. I want to tell you now, I will be saved. 1 Corinthians 15 to 50 says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will raise imperishable and will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then, then the saying... That this is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death has been swallowed up. Jesus has given us victory even over death. Somebody say, I will be saved. Because Jesus conquered death, so will I. Now, if Jesus has conquered death, that means as believers, we don't have to be afraid of anything. Because even death hath no victory over us. No sting. Because he has conquered death for us. And you can take that symbolically into your life right now. That no matter what has died, what relationship has died, whether it's a business relationship, your marriage has died, whether you can't speak to a child or whatever, no matter what has died in your life, say resurrection power. God has the ability to raise up anything that has died. Your confidence may have died. Your faith may have died. I don't know what has died in your life. I feel God. What has died in your life? God has the ability to raise up anything that has died right now. So surely you're looking at a dead deal. But you're looking at a well and live God. Our God is really, really, really. 
I will be saved. So when the trumpet sounds, and, and this is one of those sermons where, where when, the, when the worm has eaten my flesh and the fly has eaten the worm and the bird has eaten the fly and the hawk has eaten the bird and then, then the hawk's going to give up the bird and the bird is going to give up the fly and the fly is going to give up the worm and the worm is going to give me up. Somebody say, I will be saved. You have been. It's done. And the enemy wants to bring condemnation when you get off track. Surely you're getting off track and surely you're kind of, you know, figuring your way out. But you have been saved. You are his. And you are being saved today. I messed up yesterday. I did something wrong. I had a wrong idea. Or presently, I have wrong thinking. I am being saved today. The Holy Spirit is working constantly with me. Uh, our children, Jay and Nala, I have to work with both of them differently. I, you know, I can, I can just say something. Nala, Nala, just break down. She'll break down. But Jay, I got to be a little more sturdy with Jay and talk to him and, you know, maybe muscle up. I don't know. It's, it's always been that way. But see, understand, God knows how to raise his kids. I think some of us, you know, we, we, we think that we've been given a license or maybe we're trying to help the Holy Spirit out. But God knows how to raise his kids. I'm not telling us not to interfere. I'm not telling us not to help and not to, not to you know, coach people along. But I am saying when you come from a judgmental perspective, you're wrong, dude. Because it's easy for me to start telling somebody how bad they are. Come on. Oh, come on, come on. But if they lift up the mirror. Come on. So I am being saved. And then in the end, when it's all over, I will be saved. The believer is totally, somebody say completely, completely. Saved. saved. I have been completely saved saved. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? The fact that I am God's and he is mine and he is in so much love with you. With everyone, God is so in love with you. Every step that God has taken for salvation and victory to make it very easy for you to come in agreements with him being, with you being saved. It's super simple and super easy. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe within your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's that easy. Let's just say a prayer right here. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that was spoken in your believers here today. I pray that this word would uh, just uh, go through their mind, their heart. And give us an even greater understanding of your love and what you've done in our lives. And I pray, God, that you'll continue to work in us each and every day and giving us confidence to do what we need to do with boldness to approach your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Say, I am completely saved. I am completely saved. Praise the Lord.